Hey there, welcome to the LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Matt Dumont, an LSAT teacher and tutor at the LSAT Demon and soon to be graduate of the University of Maryland Law. Woo, okay. With me is Sarah Kamuni, a rising 3L at Harvard Law. Sarah, I, I don't know why I called you Sarah. Sarah, how are you? Um, I'm doing good, although being referred to as a rising 3L, I think you're the first person who <laughs> has said that out loud to me and that's terrifying, but I appreciate it. I'm sure it's not as scary as you being about to graduate, which really is terrifying. It feels a little terrifying. Uh, studying for the bar is a whole thing, um, but I'm sure that studying for your exams is pretty similar. So how, how, was, your, uh, how was your second year at law school? Um, it was really, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. As I, I think the last time I did one of these podcasts, I talked a lot about the clinical work I've been doing, and that's really mm -hmm. been the defining element of my 2L year and really just loved every moment of doing that. And yeah, it's, I think like 1L is just such a, just such a whirlwind and yeah. you kind of don't even realize what's going on until it's already happened. Whereas 2L, it's like, okay, I, I kind of know what I'm doing. I don't always know what I'm doing. Definitely don't claim to know what I'm doing, but I feel settled in a good way. Awesome. And yeah, learn to figure out what's important and what's not in terms of where to put energy and worrying and things like that. So it's been pretty good. How's your last year at um, University of Maryland been? It was uh, it was also a whirlwind. Um, uh, I did clinic as well uh, during my 2L year, which I thought was phenomenal and was like, this is like you get to do real law stuff, which is mm -hmm. just so interesting and challenging and fun. Um, and so I took that to uh, maybe the next level. I don't know. We'll see if you uh, follow and, and do some of this year 3L year two. Um, I externed both the fall and the spring. So I worked for real lawyers in real law offices doing very real stuff. Um, uh, I externed for the Attorney General's Office of Maryland. And then in the spring, I worked for a U.S. District Court judge in chambers just writing opinions. And it was amazing. Wow. That's amazing. I God, I'm that's something I don't have any experience of at all, that kind of behind the scenes of what goes on in chambers and sounds fascinating. I'm sure you saw it all all variety of stuff. Highly recommend work for a judge. It will open your eyes. <laughs> it was amazing though. Do you have any uh, um, cool plans for the summer? This summer, I am going to be at the ACLU of Massachusetts, um, which I'm really excited about. And then at the end of the summer, my best friend from preschool is going to be getting married and Kind of weird because we were in preschool not that long ago, but it turns out it's been about 30 years. So <laughs> don't really know how to feel about that. But no, I'm really, ex I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to be spending the summer um, doing work that I know is going to be really, really interesting, stuff that I'm really passionate about, um, but also staying in the Boston area, which was very important to me because I just cannot move. I, I cannot move anymore. <laughs> Amazing. And the ACLU is such an, a cool, like awesome organization. Uh, I had some friends work for the ACLU of um, uh, Maryland and had such a great experience. So I anticipate you're going to have such an awesome experience working there this summer. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. It was the it was the place that I wanted to go to this summer. So lovely when that pans out. And yeah, I think it'll be something really different. Like having done clinical work, everything has been direct client services, um, sure. which I love doing. That's that's the type of work that brought me to law school. But in terms of impact litigation, that's not something I have as much experience in. So I think it'll, I think it'll be good for me. It'll be really interesting. I think it'll be an opportunity for me to work in issue areas that I haven't really worked in before because I've yep. pretty much only done immigration stuff, which is, as anyone who's ever heard me on this podcast before, my life's work, the thing I love doing more than anything, but it'll Amazing. be good for me to broaden my horizons. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. And Boston in the summer is also very nice, but is, is your summer pure bar prep or... Pure bar prep. Well, that and, you know, teaching for the demon. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Always and forever. I am uh, uh, discussing with my wife what our pipe dream of my bar trip is going to be, because um, uh, I don't know if you have thought about this yet, but a lot of people after they take the bar, they're like, I have to de-stress. I'm going to go to the Caribbean and sit on a beach for two weeks. Um, and so, uh, my wife and I are talking about, uh, what we're potentially going to do for that, um, which I'm excited about, but that will be, that's a tomorrow problem. <laughs> oh, wow. I actually didn't even know that that was a thing, but now that you've told me that's a thing, I, I will be looking up Airbnbs in the Caribbean directly after this podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, we're, we're talking about going to Belize, uh, because oh, I love nice. snorkeling. So I've always... Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But no, that's a place that I would love to go. They have, from what I can understand from other people's Instagram posts, there are very nice eco resorts in Belize. Yeah, that's and those are the kind of things that we're looking at. So we'll see how the summer shapes up. But um, for right now, it's uh, head down in my books, bar prep all day, every day. Super fun. Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. <laughs> You'll be there before you know it. <laughs> yeah, be that's great. the part I hate. That's what I... <laughs> I don't. I don't want to even think about the bar. Oh my god! I'm going to be taking the MPRE in, oh, yeah. um, which I didn't. I don't really know about actually. It's like this professional responsibility ethics yep. exam. Um, for those who haven't heard MPRE before, which was me a couple of months ago. So yep. I'm pretty sure it's nothing like doing bar prep, but it will be weird going to like a testing center and yep. all of those things, and because actually. The last time I did that would have been the first time I took the LSAT right before the pandemic. And that's yeah. a level of anxiety I don't want to experience again. <laughs> so I can reassure you the MPRE is not too bad. Um, it is uh, the multi, I think it's the multi-state professional responsibility exam mm -hmm. for uh, the listeners at home. And it's in many states part of the bar admission requirement. Not every state, um, uh, but many states. And you study for it. You're required during your um, uh, years in law school to take professional responsibility um, or legal ethics or whatever your class is called at your particular school that um, essentially cover the model rules of professional responsibility, which is all the ethics laws uh, and rules and things that the lawyers have to adhere to, you know, things like don't steal your client's money. <laughs> That's a big one, right? A um, classic. <laughs> don't steal your client's money, um, uh, duties of confidentiality, um, and, uh, you know, you can't represent two parties on both sides of a litigation dispute, like those kind of things. Um, uh, they test you on. It is not too bad. Uh, I went to do it uh, just recently and passed just fine. I'm sure you will pass just fine. I appreciate the vote of confidence. I, I mean, given the subject matter, if I don't pass just fine, I probably need to reconsider what I'm doing <laughs> with my life. Because, <laughs> oh 
hopefully if they give me a multiple choice about should you commit fraud, I will go to no. That's yeah. my hope. There's there's some nuance there, though. <laughs> uh, things about like whether you actually know versus whether you just strongly suspect, for mm-hmm. instance. Yeah, but, that's it. That, um, that's that's where they get you, I guess. But no, I will. <laughs> fingers crossed it'll all go smoothly. Yeah. Well, I could uh, just sit here and chat with you all day, but um, uh, Eric sent over an awesome email from a listener that I wanted to get your take on. And so here we go. Um, it says uh, it's an email from Andrea and she says, hello, Ben and Nathan. I'm like, well, <laughs> you get Sarah and Matt. <laughs> Congratulations, Close Andrea. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> um, uh, Andrea says, I'm a former demon student and got accepted into law school. Thanks to you guys. Um, When I first got started studying for the LSAT, I never thought it was possible, and you guys made me feel so comfortable and prepared for the LSAT. You guys were such a help throughout the entire admissions process and gave me such hope that my law school dream was possible to achieve. Now that my first year is just around the corner, I am nervous. What should I expect during the first year, and how should I prepare? Andrea. So first, I just want to say congrats to Andrea. Like, Andrea, you did the work, right? Like... Sarah and I, all the rest of the um, people at the Demon, Nathan and Ben, would all say, hey, we showed you the door, but you walked through it. You're the one who uh, did the work to get the scores to get into the school that um, uh, you were hoping for. So first off, kudos to you, Andrea. Then I wanted to say, Sarah, what kind of advice do you have um, for Andrea? How, what should she expect during her first year? How should she prepare? Yeah, that's a great question. And just want to reiterate, huge congratulations to you, Andrea. That's a such an exciting time. I know after you've studied for the LSAT for ages, it's like, oh, wait, now I'm actually going to school. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like Matt says, you put in the work and you, you deserve this and super excited for this next chapter for you. I think in terms of what to expect, I, I think one thing to be that you can start preparing for now and it's not taking a class over the summer or reading a bunch of books or anything like that. It's you're going to be so exhausted during one hour that you can't, I can't even put into words. Oh, I, I guess I can put into words. There were times <laughs> in one hour where I was so tired that I could barely string a sentence together. And that for me was quite alarming because I didn't realize that I was <laughs> going to be that exhausted just mentally by the volume of information that was being thrown at me all the time. And I think something that you can start preparing for now is how do you take care of yourself? How do you rest? Where can you get rest over the summer, right? Does it mean like scaling down other responsibilities that you have? Does it mean being more mindful about your routine and things like that? These are the types of, it sounds silly, right? Just like take care of yourself, but that's the first thing to just go out of the window during 1L. And everything else, doing the reading, like figuring out the perfect way to outline, like which color highlighter you want to use, like you'll figure that stuff out. But fundamentally, like if you are exhausted, unhealthy, not eating right, not, you know, finding time for meaningful movement in your day, not finding time to communicate with the people who are important to you in your life and all of those things, like what else is going to be way, way harder than it already is and is pretty hard. So I think that would be my number one piece of advice, right? Is making sure you take the steps that you can take over the next few months to be as fresh and as feeling the 
cringe like best version of yourself as you can be before <laughs> you get to school. Cause like I said, like I remember Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but I briefly was teaching uh LG Foundations when I first started 1L. And I after a couple of months I had to give it up. Not because I didn't love the class, not because I didn't have time to do it, but because I was so tired that I felt yeah. like I was standing up in front of the class delirious. Like it was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing nothing could have prepared me for that, actually. Not like just the level of exhaustion that one L puts on you. Not to put ever anyone off. Like it's great. You you should yeah. do it if that's what you want to do, but it's it's another level. It is hard. And I think people should expect it to be hard. And then if it isn't for you, congratulations. You mm -hmm. like maybe you're even more destined to do this. Um, uh, it, it is a a very large volume of information. It's it's putting your mouth to like the fire hose and trying to absorb <laughs> all of it. Um, I, I want to uh, reiterate a bit of what Sara was saying in that really establishing like good habits towards your health, like your mind, body, like mental well-being, um, healthiness. You have that time now. Like it's as we record this, it's at the beginning of May and you have until August to try to your best, try your best to establish healthy routines, like eating healthy, getting exercise on a regular basis and doing those kind of things. And you can establish those and make them habits right here, right now. If you try to establish those kind of habits while you're in law school, they're gone. Like the, you have the chance to stick them out. And like I go for a run every day. I'm not saying I do, but like if your <laughs> habit, is, I definitely do not. If your if your habit is I go for a run every day for 20 minutes and you establish that now, you're going to be better off for it um, uh, through law school. Yes. Are you going to miss some of those times every day? Yes. But you can establish those kind of things now, which will make you happier, healthier, and all those kind of things. What about uh, uh, sort of like what they should expect? Like um, what, what should people mm -hmm. expect when they actually get to law school? Like they open the doors, they're walking into class. Is there anything that they should expect even before then? I think there's probably two main buckets that my mind is dividing this question into there's like the social aspect of law school right like you're going to be with this cohort of people who you've never met before who are coming from all types of different places and kind of navigating that and then the other side would be obviously the substance of law school which is its whole obviously yeah. it's a whole other ball game i think on the social aspect one thing that really struck me when i got into law school was however was just acting kind of weird like nobody really knew how to act around each other because it's such a weird social situation right you're just plunged yeah. into a room with a bunch of people who are mostly about the same age and are all here for law school but apart from that like figuring out who's who's who like what's yeah. what all of that stuff so i think like if you if if that's your experience, right, and it takes a second to establish connections with people, to the extent that you can remind yourself that that's 100% normal and it's not you and it's not that yeah. you're not going to have friends during law school and you're not going to find people who are your people and things like that, that might be reminding yourself of that might take some of the the kind of anxiety out of it when you get chucked into this room. I don't know what it's like at the University of Maryland, Matt, but for us it was like it's just in this room with my section that was 80 people and we were kind of being put into icebreakers and things like that. And, but it's still like, 
Sure. You feel like you're just like telling, giving your elevator pitch about yourself like over and over again. And it's hard to figure out like how, I don't know, like is anyone going to want to sit with me at lunch and that type of stuff? Like it's very high school and it feels very weird. Yeah. Um, but it's completely normal. And I think you have to just accept that that's like part of the process. And by the time finals comes around, like you'll have people who you're, you know, going to right after class to say like, Hey, what do you think of that class? And like all that stuff. And from there, like you're going to form really meaningful friendships that will hopefully be lifelong. Like, wow. I, I, I was kind of, I mean, I was happy with my friendship situation before I went into school, but just the amount of new, like new people I've met who now just mean so much to me. It's like, this is amazing. Um, yep. so that would, is what I would say for the social part. I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Harvard's a little bit different <laughs> than university of Maryland. Uh, um, uh, like every school is a little bit unique, mm -hmm. but, um, Harvard's also pretty sizable as far as their classes. That's true. Very true. Um, our, our sections were only 18. Um, uh, so we were much, much smaller. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I took my entire first year of classes with those same 18 people. I mean, we yeah. had other sections that came as well in some of mm -hmm. our like bigger classes, you know, contracts had two or three sections in it. So we had like 60 people. Um, my criminal law class had like eight sections and it. it was over 100 people, um, which was very big for uh, University of Maryland. Um, but I am like very close with many of the people still from my section they are still my study buddies or still my confidants or still the people that um, I run about like career advice or help them with their career advice type things. And you do encounter that. And it is kind of weird. Um, I can't speak to going to the classroom either because I started law school on of Zoom mm -hmm. for the entire first year. And so it was even weirder when we actually did go to the school because we were all used to seeing people from the neck down, or I mean, yeah. I should say the neck up only your, you, the rest mm -hmm. of your body didn't exist. Right. Um, <laughs> and so we didn't know how tall people were or any of that kind of stuff, which felt strange when we saw people for the first time in person as well. But there is that kind of like, Oh, everybody's the new person in high school. Does anyone want to sit with me at the cafeteria table? Mm -hmm. um, there is some of that oddness and it, I think it's really because everybody in law school comes from such a wide variety of life experiences. Some people have families, some people don't, some people come straight from uh, undergrad, some people worked for 15 years beforehand, all of those kind of things and everything in between. Um, there isn't like, oh, I came from middle school to the same high school that like feeds into it. So I kind of know some people and don't know other people. Everybody going there is kind of oh, I don't really know anyone here, which, okay. You know, that 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 puts everybody on even playing field um, for that respect too, so. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Like, it's just, it just feels weird at first and then you settle yeah. into it. And as long as you can remember that it, it feels weird for everyone and just kind of roll with it and know that eventually you're going to come out the other side with your community. Um, I think that's something helpful to keep in mind. Um, I guess I, talking about the substance, what to expect, <laughs> the substance of school, I'm just going to be vulnerable and say that I think you should expect to have more reading than you could ever hope to do, because that was my experience in 1L. I'm sure Matt's going to tell me he read every single word. And I did. <laughs> I'm that you. jerk, though. Good for I, you, man. I read everything. <laughs> that's, that's your truth, and I respect that. That wasn't my truth. I think <laughs> it's important with the substance to 
it's easy to get overwhelmed. I think it's important to know your limits. I knew that I wasn't going to be a student that was up reading until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I knew that it was important to me to get a full night's sleep. I knew that um, sometimes I was going to be able to get through all the reading. Sometimes it just wasn't going to work out and that was okay. I think in terms of understanding the stuff, you should expect to, especially at first, feel a little bit out of your depth. Like it's hard to, like right at the beginning, it's hard to see how things are fitting together. It just feels like that. I love this idea of putting your mouth over the fire hose. I think that's so funny because it's perfect, right? It's like, they're just like blasting you with information. And at first it's going to be a struggle to see how the puzzle pieces fit together. Um, You can make use of, you know, if you go to a school and it has an outline bank, for example, like you can make use of those resources to try and kind of get that big picture, but it's not going to come together super clearly at first for most people. And, and that's okay. And you can kind of going back to the idea of everyone's kind of in the same boat. Like it's definitely not just you. There are going to be people in the classroom who seem like they know exactly what's going on. More than likely, they're just better at hiding that they don't know what's happening. And to the extent that you can, you know, identify people who you can collaborate with on studying and, you know, talk through things that you don't understand, maybe go to office hours together if you feel yeah. like kind of nervous about putting yourself out there and going to office hours by yourself or asking a teacher, a, a teacher, a professor, a question during class. Like those are all things you can do to make it a little bit easier, but it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be hard and I don't necessarily, like the traditional law school pedagogy isn't necessarily super conducive to learning all the time. Um, And to the extent that you can remember those things and not internalize any of the struggles that you're having as being like a you problem, that that for me, I found helpful in terms of like keeping myself moving forward in a, in a productive way. And yeah, like two years, years down the line for (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to blow our cover map, but we were just having a conversation about some of the substance that we covered in 1L. And it's funny what you end up remembering. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that the substance is a lot. Like, it is a lot. Um, I stayed up many nights until two or three in the morning in order to get the reading done because, you know, one of, and, and I was working while doing it, but like, And I don't recommend that to anyone. Um, But, you know, like I was determined to get through the material um, uh, as best I could. That doesn't mean that I understood it all just because I had read it. It, It's so much. And um, like my contracts class, for instance, we were reading 100 pages a week and that was Mm -hmm. just for that class. And it's like this super dense tiny font, like really intense contract stuff from, you know, the 1600s through today, you know, talking about the UCC and everything, but it was dense material. And that's just one of the, uh, one of the five classes that I had in the fall, you know, and then Mm. you do the same thing in the spring. It is a lot. It does get easier over time as you get more familiar. Like I was one of those people. I didn't have any people in my family really that were like lawyers or had I didn't know what a holding was. I'd never heard that before. Right. And it's like, that's the most important thing that the court says. (laughs) You know, it's it's the ruling essentially that they come out with saying this is the law now or going forward or whatever. 
And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know how to brief a case. I didn't know how to do any of that kind of stuff. And you have to kind of learn on the fly what works for you. But to your point, um, uh, to what Sarah said, it may not come together for you right at the top. It may not come for together for you by the middle of the semester. But neither of those things matter as long as it comes together for you before your final exam. Some people don't make the click until studying like the reading week or whatever people are calling it, where you're off of classes, but it's before finals. And so it's really your time to kind of process the big picture to put all the puzzle pieces together. Uh, I just had a friend who told me that she just finished evidence and she's like, it came together to me two days before the exam. And I'm like, great, you probably did great. Like. Very that's relatable. all that matters and very relatable <laughs> i was so angry during all of criminal procedure because none of it makes sense and morally a lot of it doesn't make sense as well still but mm -hmm. it didn't make sense how it all fit together until i was really putting it all together by doing my outline process so yeah i there's a lot to wade through and you have to kind of piece it together as you go a hundred percent. I just had that exact experience with Quimpro. Like the whole semester, I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, like, why did we talk about these things in this order? And then when I was, when I was going back through stuff, I was like, oh, that's why we did, that's why we did arrest yep. warrants right there. Got it, got it, got it. Yep. Um, but no, it's, I think you make a great point about it doesn't really matter until you start piecing things together for the final. I think you should expect to kind of to that point i think you should expect to be given a lot of material to prepare for class and then not really encouraged to pay so much attention to what might be on the final and my suggestion would be to think about the finals way sooner than you you think you need to because at the end of the day unless your professor is like grading you based on your responses to cold calls you don't unlikely you don't get <laughs> very unlikely that that is the case very unlikely, having said that, I have been a victim of that, so I did need to mention it just to sure. know for people to know that's a possibility because that was terrifying. Um, <laughs> but apart from if that happens, like you don't get extra points for nailing a cold call, right? You get extra points on the exam. So yeah. see what your professor is asking for on on exams and try and, you know, if you're struggling to juggle between classes and things like that, try to use that to kind of focus you're studying and what's what's important and what's not important and what you need to be reviewing and all of those things. Yeah. A really great way to figure those things out. Um, almost every professor that I had at Maryland, and I imagine that this is probably similar um, at Harvard, uh, almost every professor had an exam bank of like mm -hmm. their previous exams. It might not be the one from last year, but it might be, you know, a couple of years ago. But they'll have three or four or 10 or however many. And some of the most consistent advice I got before going to law school and that I've given out to everyone that I've talked to about going to law school is do practice exams during your exam prep period. Do a couple of them. Don't just do one and call it a day. Like do two or three, even if you don't do them like fully fleshed out, like you've typed every word, you could just outline, you could issue spot and outline and sort of think through the process. You should do at least one under test circumstances to sort of get that feeling. But um, those practice exams are such a window into how your professor asks questions and then the responses 
are such valuable um, insight into what the professor is looking for. You know, what's important? Are you supposed to kitchen sink this particular thing? No, this professor's really, really focused. They only care about the most important issue rather than all 10 issues you could bring up. Well, you might establish those kind of patterns by reading the practice exams and then um, doing that. But you should not do that before law school. That's something that it's like at the end of your semester, once you're like, do not <laughs> go searching even the first week or the first month. Like that's right before your exam period. Start um, uh, really diving into those. Uh, um, but you need to think about them maybe a, about a month before would be my my sort of suggestion. Yes, that that makes that makes sense to me. And I think it it can be helpful just for even if you don't, you know, the, the exam question might cover something that you guys are going to cover in like the last month of class or something like that. As Matt, as Matt says, it's just so helpful to see like, OK, well, it, can I expect that the professor is going to ask a bunch of policy questions? Like, should I be really paying attention to the policy discussions that go on in class? Or is it the case that we're having these policy discussions and they're actually not going to come up on the final at all? Yeah, because so it's I only should... the black letter law, right? Yeah. Totally yeah. been in that boat. Very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, we've we've all been burned by the <laughs> by the policy to issues by the bait and switch. But it's it's that's the type of thing that you just wouldn't you you don't know unless other students tell you. And and most schools from folks that I know and like my own experience, you know, people there, there are people and students trying to build that institutional knowledge about like this is what this professor is yeah. is looking for, and this is the type of exam you can expect, and all of those things. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something I didn't know much about at all when I when I first went in. Cool. Um, so uh, just to sort of like uh, uh, put a little bit of a, a button on all of this, I wanted to ask if you had a couple of maybe like rapid fire things to suggest outside of this broader discussion. Like, were there any particular resources that you used that you found helpful? Um, any particular um, uh, methodologies you found helpful, any of that kind of stuff, books you read that you were like, this was gold. Um, uh, if, any kind of suggestions towards that, towards how um, people could prepare for 1L? Um, in terms of preparation, not particularly. Um, in terms of kind of methodology while I was in school, I realized in the second semester that, and I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, Matt, actually. I think the traditional way to study during school, like law school, is it's all about outlines. Like it's all about mm -hmm. making an outline and like all of these things, which yes, there and there are outline banks and that information is really, really useful. I would also say like you've been studying your whole life, right? Like during high school exams, like um, standardized tests, like all of those things. Don't reinvent the wheel if there's something that you know works really well for you, right? When yeah. I, the classes that I've done best in, it's, I made full use of the resources available to me, but when it comes down to, so we do this thing right at the very end of kind of finals prep called kind of making an attack outline. I don't know if that's what you guys call it. Yep. And <laughs> it's basically like, bare bones, like this is the stuff that I need to remember to pr jog my memory while I'm in the exam itself. And I go right back to how I used to study in high school, which is like multicolored mind maps with like felt tip markers. And I don't know what it is, but having that next to me, as opposed to like a 
more traditional looking attack outline that's a a microsoft word document that's got a checklist and stuff like that like if there are things you know that work for you don't don't push those to one side necessarily like find how you can incorporate them into your obviously this is going to be probably the i assume the biggest you know academic endeavor that you've ever undertaken but if the stuff that works for you, find a way to fit that into your studying because that stuff is tried and tested. Whereas, you know, outlining and like all of these new things that people talk about all the time in law school might not necessarily be the best thing for you. I'd be curious what you think about that, Matt, because I I feel like it's, it's not something that I've heard super often that other people have said, but it's definitely something that I've found super helpful. Yeah. I, I think like, Everyone hears the word outline in, and, um, in law school. And I'm going to briefly explain what an outline is just so our listeners know. Um, uh, so an outline is kind of like, depending on how you do it and how fancy you make it or beautiful you make it or whatever, it's a collection essentially of like the entirety of the knowledge from that particular course that you've covered over the semester. And you could do that a number of ways. You could make a separate document. You could combine all of your written notes over the course of the semester into one single document, essentially. But what it is, it's it's like a reference of every case you've covered and sort of like the important points and what your professor thought about it and maybe some rules and whatever. Uh, and, and so it could be like if you're talking about criminal law and you're talking about murder, you're talking about, okay, there's these different elements and you have to satisfy the mens rea. What is mens rea? Okay, well, it's the thought sort of like intent behind what you did. Did you have the appropriate intent? Um, And so people do these kind of things in this giant document and it's essentially like the puzzle. You're putting the puzzle together from all of the um, different pieces over the course of the semester into one sort of final thing. Then, as Sarah was talking about, a lot of people will boil that down into even a, because that could be 150, 200 pages, your, mm-hmm. your big outline, um, uh, for instance. Then you take like the main points and boil it down to like a one or two page or five page attack outline is what what we uh, people called it here too. my sort of response to that is do what makes sense to you, which I think is exactly what Sarah just was saying. Don't throw all the things that have gotten you successfully through life out the window just because you're in law school. If there's something that you know works, great. Like try and see, see if that is effective um, on the practice exam. See if it gets you through the practice exam successfully. There are some classes that I did not even outline for because it didn't make sense to for whatever reason, because of the format of the class. I did not outline evidence. It's just a bunch of rules. Okay. That's like super real. I had I actually made a spreadsheet for evidence. Little yes. Google little Google Sheets action for those yeah, rules. Totally. Because like, does anyone care about the case law from evidence? No. No. Those are just illustrative of the rules themselves the rules say what they say it either applies or it doesn't it's either hearsay and it's an exception or it's not yes right right no unless it's like literally like there's like a couple of 
big Supreme Court cases, and then they get right. their own little entry on the spreadsheet, and it's fine. Right. Confrontation clause, perfect example. Confrontation clause. There we go. Perf- perfect example. So, um, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, do do what makes sense to you. And there's great resources out there, like Outline Banks, which you can use as reference and see if you miss stuff or give you inspiration. But realistically, you should be doing your own thing because you're the one taking the exam. No one Mm -hmm. else's. Someone else's resource materials isn't going to be helpful for you. And also, it's probably against your school's honor code. Um, A whole other host of can of worms there. But like, at least at Maryland, we weren't allowed to use other people's materials when if it was like an open book exam, we had to prepare our own materials, for instance. So right. But actually, like most of the learning for me and the the synthesizing is going to happen when you make your own materials. Like I can't imagine sitting in an exam and trying to like navigate something that someone else made when kind of like we were talking, like you just don't know how the pieces fit together. Like the the best learning comes when you're making making those materials for yourself. But I will say it's the journey, not the end result. Like that's something my professor talked about all the time about the outlining process. The outlining process is the learning process. It's not the document. Exactly, exactly. And I will say it's it's probably easy to get boiled down in making your resources look as beautiful as possible and all of those things. But honestly, some I've I've been finding the even handwritten notes like just make things stick so much easier for me, and they look horrific, right? So to the extent that if I just Right. To the extent you find yourself getting distracted, like, oh, I need to make this this font and this color and stuff like that. And that's not the important stuff, guys. Like, get back to studying. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay, so uh I think we should probably wrap this up. Uh, we we've given should. a lot of great information here. I think um uh, hopefully we'll we've given some people some things to sort of expect or or look towards. Um I do want to make the comment that a similar topic has been covered. Um, I was fortunate to record episode 161 of the Demon Daily with um, Michael Hill, where we talked a bit about what um, sort of things we did to prep for law school, some book recommendations, some other stuff as well. So I want to give you the opportunity, um, Sara. Uh, is there any sort of last minute, like last thoughts or um, uh, materials you might recommend uh, before we say goodbye? Honestly, I can't say that I, I know there are books out there, like what's it getting to maybe is one that people recommend a lot. Yep. I have I didn't read any books before I started, I have to say. Um, my school did provide some, they call it Zero L. And yeah. it was kind of a primer on the court system layout and those types of things. Um, that's That's helpful to know, I think. Like if your school provides something similar in terms of resources to kind of get you to a baseline of, okay, this is the terminology that we're going to be using. This is what a holding is, for example. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's really helpful to engage with. And I definitely benefited from those like video resources and stuff like that, but definitely didn't pay for any, you know, pre 1L prep courses or anything like that. And yeah, I never got around to reading any of the books that folks recommended, but I have heard that sounds like in episode 161, there are plenty of recommendations and I have heard many of these recommendations and that they're good. Yeah. Um, I want to really hammer in on, and I meant to mention earlier, I took a little bit of a zero L at my um, class or at my school as well. 
and it was about two weeks and it was like a pre-contracts like our contracts focused zero L, which was essentially the same thing. We learned how to read a case. We learned how to brief a case. We learned what the holding was and sort of how to parse all of that is incredibly value. Did not pay for it. Don't pay for pre-law stuff because there's so much free stuff out there. Your school probably has something. And if they don't, go on Coursera. I think Yale has a free 0L that you could take uh, if you are interested in doing that kind of prep work of learning like the basic lingo, learning the basic idea of what law school even is in the first place. And I think that's valuable because then you can hit the ground running a little bit because you're gonna be reading stuff before your first week even starts because you're gonna get a syllabus two weeks out and there's gonna be reading assignments for the first week. Um, and so not floundering quite as much even before you start, I think was pretty valuable for me, but I definitely didn't pay for it like absolutely no way ever do you should you pay for that don't pay for law school also don't pay for law school prep <laughs> <laughs> no i fully endorse that statement there's just no need and because the the information at least that we received during zero well it's i mean you could with some carefully crafted Google searches, you could get right yeah. to what you need to get to. Like you don't need to pay for it. And hopefully totally. your school will facilitate you obtaining that knowledge um, through a through a zero L course or similar. Awesome. Well, Sarah, it has been lovely, lovely, lovely um, meeting up with you again, catching up with you, finding out what's going on. Uh, I just want to say thanks. Um, good luck at the ACLU this summer. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to uh, do such great work. I can't wait to uh, see what you come back and say next time you're on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. It's lovely catching up and good luck with bar prep. And I hope you have fun on your, what's it called? A bar trip? Bar vacation? Yeah, bar, bar? trip. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> bar trip to the bar, right? Um, if you'd like to be on the show, email daily at lsatdemon.com. If you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.